Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Happy Thursday to all of you. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Coming up on the show today, we're going to go back to our Theology Thursday study, looking at the book by Dr. Tony Evans, uh, Kingdom Politics. It has spawned, we think, some very fruitful conversations thus far. We took a break from it last week with some breaking news, but we're back at it again this week to have more of the bigger picture, theology-driven, biblical worldview-driven conversation that, that's kind of uh, our main wheelhouse here, and uh, probably the number one reason most of you tune in. It certainly isn't our looks or charm. Or you just are like, there's at least a couple of hours a day. I just need to let someone completely annoy me and just get it out of my system. And that that's could be another reason that you tune in. So we'll get to that. Three non-political questions as well. At the bottom of this hour, this is fortuitous timing. So we had Steve Kirsch on this show earlier this year. Uh, he was on the Beck show, actually. Actually, no, that's right. He, we brought him on the Beck show when we filled in for Glenn. Was that maybe over Christmas break yeah. even? Yep. So it hasn't happened yet this year that we've talked to him. And there is all kinds of new data out now. Now, we, we talked about the JAMA study yesterday, 13,200% in, uh, percentage increase uh, among, uh, in myocarditis among males 12 to 24 uh, once re- after receiving a second injection of mRNA. Is that, is that bad? Is that a problem? Indeed, uh, if you go to my Twitter feed right now at Steve Day Show, uh, and you look at the latest excess death numbers out of Germany, I mean it's an, it's incredible, and and the and the long term spike of those numbers, how they just immediately jump in in the third quarter of 2021, and then just you know the hits don't stop till we reach the top. Okay, I mean it it's just a uh, it's a train. Uh, coming down the track of excess deaths. Then everybody's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I see, you know, see no death, hear no death. So fortuitous timing to talk to the guy who literally puts his money where his mouth is. He has standing bets with the science to prove him wrong. He goes on airplanes and I've seen him offer up to $100,000 uh, out of his own pocket to get people to take the mask off on the plane if they're still wearing it. So far, I haven't seen him have any takers. All I know is I want, I need to find out. A couple of my friends work at airlines. Can they leak to me the passenger manifest? Is there a day where Steve Kirsch will be sitting next to me and I will make sure to wear a mask on the plane that day? <laughs> you drive a hard bargain, sir. <laughs> but okay, for a hundred grand. I'll go ahead and take my chances on breathing the highly filtrated air in an airplane, which might be the most filtrated air in America, like outside of a government building, I would guess, all right, or a compound. All right, so we'll talk to him at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by if your state won't do meatball surgery for kids in the name of gender, you can just die already. HHS Secretary Javier Becerra says he's totes cool with defunding hospitals that won't do meatball surgery and chemical castration for minors in the name of gender. He was questioned by Congressman Jim Banks. This spring, HHS released a 112 page report claiming that gender affirmation including social transition, changing one's name, pronoun, and or appearance is appropriate and beneficial for gender minority children and adolescents, according to this report. The the report recommends cutting federal funds from states with, quote, policies that stigmatize 
transgender children, including by denying them access to medically necessary health care, end quote. Mr. Secretary, is, does this mean that HHS is seriously threatening to withhold hospital grants from states like my own if they refuse to go along with surgeries or, or puberty blockers for kids? Congressman, we're going to protect the rights of any American to get the health care they're entitled to. And if someone tries to stop them from that, that's a violation of the law. So you would withhold hospital grants from states like mine that ban transgender sex reassignment surgeries for minors. I mean, that, that's what the report says, we clearly. Will, we will protect the rights of any individual to receive the health care they're entitled to, and we will take action against anyone who tries to discriminate. So Zara was on one this week, dissing Ron DeSantis' handling of COVID at the Politico Health Summit. Today, if you're dying of COVID, and very few people compared to a few years ago are, it's pr principally because you're either unvaccinated, unvaccinated or undervaccinated. If you're dying of COVID today, you didn't take precautions. If you listen to someone who said to you, you didn't have to take that precaution, it's not just your fault. It's the fault of that leader who doesn't give you the best information. If, if leaders choose not to take care of their people, that's on them. Congressman Jerry Nadler had this to add about COVID and face masks. It protects against transmission of the disease to the next person. And the healthcare worker certainly ought to be required to be vaccinated. And when we have a pandemic like COVID-19 pandemic that we had, two-year-olds should have been required to wear masks. It would be child abuse for parents not to do that. The White House put out a video message in honor of Pride Month, wherein they claim your children belong to them. These are our kids. These are our neighbors. Not somebody else's kids. They're all our kids. So far on this montage, Democrats have claimed that it's justifiable to kill people if states don't trans kids. If you die of COVID in June of 2023, it's because you didn't take the jab. Not masking toddlers is child abuse, and your kids are theirs to groom. Cool. Let's check in on Joe Biden. Well, we're going to win, and we're going to help. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in... In, in, in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. California Governor Gavin Newsom was interviewed by Fox News' Sean Hannity for reasons only Allah knows recently, and he had this to say about Joe Biden. Yeah, but uh, I don't think he's capable. I know he's capable. I see results. I've seen a master class in results the last few years. Moving on, Marine veteran Daniel Penny has been indicted by a jury in New York of second-degree manslaughter for the chokehold death of the deranged lunatic Jordan Neely on a subway in May. Earlier this week, Penny's lawyers released a video interview where Penny dispelled the misconceptions of what actually happened on that subway. The three main threats that he repeated over and over was, I'm going to kill you, I'm prepared to go to jail for life, and I'm willing to die. You know, this, is a, this was a scary situation, and... Uh, Mr. Neely came on. He was, he was threatening. He's, he's a, I'm 6'2", and he was taller than me. So it was, and there's a common misconception that Marines don't get scared. We're actually taught uh, one of our core values is courage, and courage is not the absence of fear, but how you handle fear. And, you know, I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces, saying, saying these threats. I couldn't just sit still. And that's what happened while we were away.
Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Preborn. It, I'd like to take a minute just to have a little heart-to-heart with you about our friends at Preborn because the heart is what they are focused on in their ministry, both physically uh, and spiritually and emotionally. And they understand that uh, it, for any persuasion to happen, a confrontation must take place. And what they will do is uh, they are out on the streets uh, and they find women who are with crisis pregnancies, who are seriously contemplating killing their child. And about 80% of the time when they confront them with the heartbeat of the child in their body, they don't go through with it. And they have saved scores of babies over the years doing this. But here's the thing they've also done. They've saved a lot of mamas too, uh, both of the hole in their hearts that would be created by this deplorable action but then also being there for them. Uh, it's, it's the ministry that they provide these moms after the fact. Uh, it's the, uh, the aftercare, uh, the prenatal care, the postnatal care, car seats, uh, formula, counseling, all of it free of charge. So there's a confrontation of truth, and then there's grace as well. Um, I mean, it's, it's the embodiment of Christ-like, and that's why we're big supporters of the ministry here on The Blaze. Our goal this year is to partner with them to save 70,000 babies and moms, here in the year 2023, our ultimate goal is to no longer have to ever partner with them again because we have uh, removed this malignant tumor uh, from our from our culture. But in the meantime, help us win this fight with our friends over at Preborn. Dial pound 250, say the keyword baby on your mobile phone, pound 250 keyword baby on your mobile phone, or go to preborn.com slash Steve. Once again, that is preborn.com slash Steve. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry. Coming up in the overtime today. You know, there was this uh, audio that we all breathlessly, myself included, we all tweeted uh, Chuck Grassley, the Chuck Wagon, our, our senator for, for life. I mean, I don't mean his life. I mean, life of the earth. Life of the earth. Senator for life of the earth. Charles Grassley. Four million people nearly live in this state, apparently. None of them are capable of being a U.S. senator other than Grassley. Sounding a lot like Joe Biden these days, by the way, because that's what happens when you're a hundy. Nevertheless, he claimed, if you could follow the stutters, he claimed that he had a tape of a foreign national who was bribing the Bidens and kept the recording of the Bidens being bribed as insurance. In other words, insurance is another is a, is a, is a euphemism in this case for blackmail. <laughs> That's that's really what we're talking about here. Uh, And so I put out a poll on my Twitter feed that afternoon. Do you believe the Republicans will ever come forward and allow you to hear such audio? We will have those polling results and then we will comment upon them later today in the overtime, uh, which you will get access to if you're a Blaze TV subscriber at blazetv.com slash dace. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you would like to become one, you may do so by also going to blazetv.com slash dace, and it's just $10 a month. Okay, uh, to Aaron's montage we go. Understand that the Joe Biden that we are daily mocking and discussing because of his diminishing faculties is kicking the ass of everybody that we just elected to go to Washington, D.C. Just let, let's just let's just be, make sure we're clear on that. Correct. Democrats had a slim majority coming out of the 2018 
elections. They impeached Donald Trump with a slim majority over something, by the way, Ukrainian, or no, that was out of the 2020 election, my bad, uh, over something that turned out to actually be true. Um, the Ukrainian collusion that Trump said he was digging for evidence for uh, between the Bidens and Ukraine, that, that actually turned out to be true. So, so they have a slim majority. They come out with said majority of slimness and just impeach a president for investigating something that turned out to actually be true or fishing for something that turned out to be true. You give Republicans a slim majority and they just give Joe Biden everything he wants in a budget deal and pretty much take almost all of their leverage as a congressional body off the table for the entirety of the current Congress, the rest of whatever's left of uh, Biden's dementia rattled brain. And it's, and they did this in, in June of 2023 with a year and a half to go still in the Congress. <laughs> if that's, if that is not a portrait, a snapshot uh, of exactly where we are. I mean, that is, that is the political equivalent of the great shot of Secretariat the year I was born, 1973, dusting the rest of the field and the Belmont Stakes to win the, uh, uh, to win the Triple Crown. That's essentially what, what I, the portrait I just painted for you is the political equivalent of this. And that's why we're going to have to do this ourselves. Now, the good news is we are doing that more than we ever had before. And we are making some headway, some headway, some headway. All right. So like Target and Bud Light, they're never going to come out and say, all right, you got us. We're back on the narrow road. And here's our, you know, uh, Bud Light's got their new Guinness line because I believe Guinness was created by a priest. Was it? Was it not? Who was concerned with the level of drunkenness of his uh, Irish contemporaries? So he created a very thick malt that would fill their bed- bellies to the point they couldn't drink it to the point of, you know, becoming slobberers. Is, isn't that really the origin story of Guinness? I believe, Todd. That's the one true faith I know and love. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. That's great. All right. So Bud Light's like, here's our extra thick lager to stop you from becoming a drunkard. Hail temperance. And Target doesn't have their new just in time, uh, just in time for Christmas in July. Jesus's birthday. Get a jump on it collection. Okay. (laughs) They're not going to do that. But, but so if you're looking, if that's the win, if that's, you know, and I get it, man. I, I love, I love when the Japs show up in Tokyo Bay on the USS Missouri to sign unconditional surrender paperwork. I'm, I love that too. I'm a guy. I, 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 love, I love when I know that you know and you know that I know that I whooped your ass. I like that level of affirmation. It's probably not going to be forthcoming in this culture war very often. So you have to, you have to look for signs that you're winning. And here's an obvious sign. And we've discussed it uh, on the show here just this week. How we were all sitting around like Dustin Hoffman in the dentist chair in the, in the marathon man. And Pride Month was Lawrence Olivier's dentist. Is it safe? Is it safe? Like, I mean, we were like watching the clock turn to midnight on May 31. You know, what, 
what fresh hell will this be? What level of debauchery? We were telling jokes about what we thought the most ridiculous Pride Month accoutrement that we would be exposed to would be, right? I think I, I liked mine the best, actually. Uh, Oreo bottoms, where it's, it's just a cream-filled top and it's just the bottom of the cookie, Oreo bottoms. A lot of metaphor there. That was mine, okay? And yet we're sitting here on June 15th, and except if you went to a couple of places in a lot of places around the country, would you even know that it is Pride Month? Would you even know? This is the most understated this inauspicious occasion has been for many a moon. And that is your win. Do you know why that is? Because even though Tarjay and Bud Light have not walked into the light and to get on the narrow road, everyone can read a market cap report. Everyone can read that. And they're like, oh bleep. That best not be us. Because if it is, when do our shareholders start suing us? For fiduciary malfeasance. We are knowingly doing things that are unprofitable. For To what end? We are costing them dividends. To what end? That's a win. That's a win. But more and more it is becoming obvious... We're just, we're going to have to do this ourselves. But here's the thing, folks. We were always going to have to. That's what a republic, if you can keep it, means. Representative republics don't just perpetuate organically. They just don't give birth to one another over and over again. I mean, I know, I, I know it feels like Alabama football will never be bad. Well, when in the last... 60 years of the sports history, you have hired perhaps the two greatest coaches in the sports history in Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, and they rule and reign for long tenures. It feels like that, right? But if you look in between, if you look in between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, there were a lot of years for every Gene Stallings having a national championship, there were, you know, Ray Perkins in eight and four seasons. There was a lot of mediocrity. There was a lot of, okay, pretty good. But there were even some times they were very good, but they weren't consistently dominant like we're seeing today. Not even at a factory with the tradition of an Alabama does it just automatically perpetuate. Excellence doesn't just happen. Exceptional countries don't just happen. And that's why over the last few years, we've had, you know, visions for the year like, let's find out. The answer is us stand because that's what if you can keep it means do you know what if you can keep it means it means if you can keep it all right and the best way you keep something is by doing that thing by doing that thing so that thing that we're doing right now right and so I've done a lot of messages. I just did one at the conference in Boise in a couple of weeks. I'll probably do a few more uh, touring the country with speaking engagements later this year on Romans 13. That's kind of my go-to talk right now when I speak to audiences because I think that understanding with a biblical, with a biblical foundation of resistance and non-compliance to tyranny I think is key for us to understand the signs of the times and be sons of Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what to, and then knew what to do about them. Um, But keep in mind, 
though, we're the government. Washington's not the government. We are. The Constitution begins with, with what words? We the people. Not, not this, the government? No. Not these, the three enumerated branches? No. No. This, the executive? No. Me, the king? No. They, the them? We no. are legion? Because it kind of feels like it maybe starts with those words, what we're looking at these days. Fair? Okay. But it doesn't actually start with those words. It starts with we, the people, which means who's the governing authority? In the, in, the, in the Declaration of Independence, what does the phrase government by the consent of the governed means? What does it mean? Who's the ultimate authority in any relationship? The one, who has, the one who has the authority to grant consent or the one who is waiting to receive it? Who's truly the authority in, a, in, in, in that relationship? The current director of health and human services. Clearly. <laughs> the one who grants, who has the power to grant the one who has the power to grant consent is the authority, not the one hoping to receive it. Now, if you, if you build a home, a very nice ranch, but, and, and you don't, and it's got a lot of land, a massive plantation even, you don't keep it up. You don't defend it. People eventually move into like some outer rim of your property, start living there. You don't remove them. You're not, you're not doing your job. You've fallen down on the job, Joe Biden style. We actually have something in the law, in legal tradition in the West, that allows those usurpers to turn around and sue you for squatter's rights. Because by your own inaction, you at least inferred that it was you were complying, you were consenting for their presence on your property. See where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. God says to the Israelites, I have given you the land, but you must go and take it. Let me rephrase that. Or repeat that. I have given you the land, but you must go and take it. Did he give him the land? Yes. Who, has the, who has the authority to give the Israelites the land? God, and only God does. But he says what? But you must go and claim it. Why? Because it is impossible to please God without faith. So when you go into the land and you look at the spy and the spies go in and they see the giants and they see how formidable all these pagan armies are. They are to return and say, we cannot wait to whoop that ass because they look very Bronze Age impressive. Yeah, we're fighting with a dude who opens seas and mountains and, uh, and controls locusts. So I think we got this. That's the appropriate response, right? Is that the response that they had? Mm. No. And so the people that didn't have the right faith-filled response, did they get to go into that land? No, no they died circling a desert for 40 years. They gave up their birthright. They lacked faith. They didn't act. So, our rights come from God, but we must go and claim them. They will not just occur organically. They will not just be bestowed automatically. Obviously. (laughs) Yeah. They will be taken away very directly. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, we've got to go and claim it. I've used this analogy before. If I bought Noah a car, as I recently did, and I handed him the keys, I am the superior in the relationship, right? He's the son. I am the father. I have the wherewithal to consent for him to own a vehicle, correct? I give him the keys so that I am now granting him consent. But what if he never puts the keys in the ignition and drives away? Nowadays, of course, what if he just doesn't put the keys in the, in, in the, uh, in, you know, there in the, in the middle thing and push the button to start the car and drive away? All right. What if he never does that? 
I mean, the car is his, right? I gave it to him, but mm-hmm. is, does, he, does it truly belong to him, though? Has he taken possession of it? That's what it means to keep it. To take possession of that which belongs to you and to take away possession from people that it doesn't belong to. And so a lot of times it is proper in a, a proper form of government to say that government is to, is to be the sort of righteousness and punish evildoers. It is. But remember, we're the government. We don't need a legislature to tell us or Xavier Bachara to lie to us as he did at least seven or eight times in the two clips that Aaron showed. Um, we don't need his consent. We can just punish by refusing to comply. Okay, cool. Then we'll just punish you then. We're not complying with this. And you know what? That is why and how the Christian church has withstood two millennia of tyrants and oppressors and conquistadors and entifadas and crusades and demonic possession and oppression, a refusal. We will, we will live by the highest law, the laws of nature and nature's God, not your law. And we dare you to do your worst. The, the problem we have is we are unfortunately in an era where, with limited exception, our churches, who are the ones that are to disciple and catechise us, us, catechize us to, to have this resolve, and then to train us on when to, when to activate it, and then to encourage us to sustain it and, and, and perpetuate it and, 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 and to finish it, have not done so collectively. And I'm sorry about that. I, 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 I'm as frustrated by that as you are. However, that is no excuse for us to, do, to not do what history is calling us to do. So I know, just given the odds, a lot of you go to a church that won't, if you even still go, um, a lot of you go to a church that won't tell you what I'm about to tell you, but on the authority of the word of God, what I'm about to tell you is true. You have to be willing to lay down your life for what you believe as your Lord laid it down for you. You have to be willing to lose a job, creature comforts, for what you believe as the Lord suffered for you. And it's because saints of old who came before you or as the book of Hebrews calls it, a large cloud of witnesses came before you with their willingness to do those things that you now have not the, not the terror, but the opportunity to return their favor and do it as they did for you for future generations, to count it all joy that God has chosen you and this cultural moment that you live in to make his presence very known through you and our collective witness for him. Do not be afraid. Be overjoyed. You have been granted something that not every generation gets. We all have. A meaningful existence. Something other than I worked 40 hours a week for 50 years to put food on somebody's table and send kids to college. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But what if there's more than that? 
And that is the opportunity that we have been given. And so let me quote from Isaiah, a different verse than Todd will repeat on our show frequently. Whom will go? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Uh, saying all that, considering uh, how Aaron constructed his montage and ending with the story of uh, Daniel Penny, listen, if you have eyes to see uh, that Daniel uh, Penny is nothing but a, a victim, I think you will probably just let whatever Steve said go right past you. But if you see him as what he truly is, a damn hero, you, you'll... Whether you're in Newark, you'll come to his aid. If you're in California, you'll say you're taking my kids over my dead body. You will stand a post in you in a way you never have before. Because the way he described the danger on that subway, it's happening all around you. It's certainly happening in California, but it's happening here in Iowa too. We must stand a post. We have no choice. Daniel Penny, I have no idea what his faith background is at all. I, I Maybe somebody else does, but, but, but I don't. But... He addressed reality. Many of you who claim the Lord certainly are not currently. Yeah, the we the people you talk about there are the water table of whatever else we see in culture and politics. If the water table is polluted, everything else will be. If it's not, well, then we're going to see changes as well. That starts with uh, what we the people. What does that mean? It means us. That's basically the gist of this entire half hour. We'll come back. Steve Kirsch will join us. The latest on the poison poke and what can be done about it in a moment. You're on the Steve Day Show. If you are concerned about indoctrination in schools so that your kid doesn't know how to think, uh, they've been dumbed down. There's no critical thinking. They don't know how to question uh, the narrative, the science, the propaganda. Check out our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. I know them personally. I'm, uh, Dr. Duke Pest and the team there, we worked together fighting against Common Core back in the day. Uh, my son Noah actually went to Freedom Project Academy for a couple of years. So I saw firsthand how they have perfected online, live online, on-demand homeschool learning K-12 through uh, with uh, an outstanding and challenging curriculum you don't want to miss out on. You can save 10% on tuition if you enroll today at freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. Save 10% on your tuition if you enroll today. Maybe you're thinking, hey, I just heard about this for the first time. Can I get more information? You bet. You can also go to freedomforschool, F-O-R, freedomforschool.com and get a free information packet as well. Freedomforschool.com. Again, that's freedomforschool.com. Let's bring in Steve Kirsch is here with us on the show. And Steve, we last talked to you back uh, over Christmas time. It's uh, It's been a minute. So thank you very much for joining us, brother. How are you? Good. Keeping, keeping busy. I see that, which is why we wanted to have you on. For people that may not know, give us a little bit of your background and how you ended up uh, uh, joining uh, uh, Team Sanity Reality Team Pushback. <laughs> 
well, I believed that the FDA was legit. And so I took the two jabs, took the two Moderna jabs. And then about a month later, I started hearing horror stories from my friends. I heard from one friend that three of her relatives died a month after, or sorry, a week after getting the shot. And they were perfectly healthy. <laughs> one week after getting the shot, I said, man, that is either the most incredible story I've ever heard or they're lying to us. Mm -hmm. And then I had another vendor uh, have a heart attack uh, two minutes after he got the shot. And at that point, it was very clear <laughs> that I wasn't just getting unlucky. So I started digging into the data. And then, I, uh, you know, it's like pulling a thread that, uh, you know, you, mm -hmm. you you find something and you, you pull a little bit more and you find more. And and so I've been going down the rabbit hole here from the COVID vaccines and then the link between vaccines and autism. And then, uh, you know, more recently uh, discovered that basically uh, kids who are completely unvaccinated, including refusing the vitamin K shot uh, at the very beginning of life, uh, those kids end up way healthier than anybody who's gone through the vaccination schedule. So all of these papers are showing that kids are way healthier if they avoid uh, vaccines completely. And that goes for adults as well. And so they, uh, the government just doesn't want to do a study <laughs> looking into this. And they've been asked to do that. And uh, back in 2005, the CDC director, Judy Gerberding, uh, promised to, uh, to do such a study expeditiously. It was never done. And instead, all the studies in the peer-reviewed literature show that the vaccinated are worse off uh, than the unvaccinated. You are a successful businessman, so you have uh, you've got a little money. You have actually, and I want to. This is going to set up coming back to the point you just made, but I want to make sure people understand how serious you are about this. You have made numerous offers. You offered, I think, a million dollars if someone could prove that the COVID vaccines were safe and effective. I've seen you offer tens of thousands, if not $100,000 for people to take off their mask on a plane, to which I told my audience, I've got to figure out if I know anybody that would leak to me a uh, passenger manifest on airlines to make sure I'm seated next <laughs> to you and I'm just going to show up with a mask. And uh, You're going to drive a hard bargain, Steve. Yeah, and finally, we need to show up with off, two masks. Yeah, yeah, I might show up with three or four, as a matter of fact. <laughs> All right, but um, I mean, you you have you have a you have a current bet right now um, with the quote unquote the science of reviewing this material. You have been willing to put your money out there, and not insignificant amounts of money. Um, has anybody taken you up on any of this yet? Yes, uh, there is one guy in the entire world. Uh, I bet him a million bucks that the vaccines have killed more people than they've saved. He said, well, I'm not sure I want to bet the whole million, but I'll bet you half a million. I said, you're on. And so we're in the process of choosing judges uh, for this contest. Mm. And I'll tell you, it has been really eye-opening. I think we've talked to at least 15 uh, people who look qualified on paper, and you ask them basic questions and uh, they just can't answer them. And, and so so now it's very clear as to why people are so confused. It's like, wow, the level here of um, understanding of the science is is not what we uh, and not what we think. I, I was I was blown away. These were these are very basic questions. Um, 
It, so it's, 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 you're right. Well, there's a great, there's no understanding of the science. There is a great amount of compliance to it, nevertheless. And, and, and your evolution on this sounds similar to what is, uh, what I am undergoing at the moment. So, um, I just, you know, I, I, my, my assistant Todd, who books us people on the show, he's a dedicated anti-vaxxer, has been all the time I've known him. And people have said to me for years, I mean, don't you get worried you're going to get, uh, no, because I'm vaccinated. I never really understood this idea. You know, if I'm vaccinated, I thought that was the point of a vaccine. And then, you know, there were, there were 75 other issues that I wanted, I, I thought I needed to fight on, and I just didn't have time yeah. to, uh, to, uh, to embrace this. Well, suddenly, three years ago, we stopped the entire world for this one singular issue and now for the first time I, I i have no choice but to actually put all of the thinking power i have in every other issue i've ever talked about on this one singular sector all right pharmaceuticals medicines infections spreads etc stuff that i didn't even care about in school or in college growing up and i start spotting all kinds of fallacies similar to what you just talked about um the and the same thing that i used to hear People say to Todd, well, you, you, if you don't take the vaccine, my kid will get uh, rubella. Well, then what? How, how the hell good is your rubella vaccine? <laughs> we start hearing the same thing. If you don't take the COVID vaccine, even though you've already had COVID, so it's so already we're eliminating natural immunity. So this isn't a traditional vaccine rollout where we're trying to get to people that don't have natural immunity, right, or in high risk. So we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna jab everybody, even if they got natural immunity or not. Which which of course made me extremely suspicious. And when my when my colleague here, Daniel Horowitz, and I, where we were in the middle of writing our book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, about what went on here, primarily with the jab and more things with COVID, there was a moment where Daniel Horowitz we got we got done with one of these interviews on involving what uh, one of the worst uh, vaccines vaccine cases in our book with the COVID jabs. And after we said goodbye to that person, Daniel, Daniel and I were kind of just downloading how we wanted to approach writing the chapter. And out of nowhere, he said to me, he goes, I have an uncomfortable thought. You know, this can't be the first time they've ever done something like this, right? And I didn't even want to contemplate yeah. that rabbit hole. Okay. I didn't, so yeah. it sounds like you've asked yourself that question in recent months and have said, okay, this cannot possibly be the first time they've rolled out this level of fallacy. And that has led you down the whole autism rabbit hole and everything else. Right? Yeah. So tell us about yeah. that. And, and I wasn't trying to go and say, well, what else are they lying to me about? I just, just run across it. Like, you know, I'll run across an, uh, an article about autism and vaccines uh, uh, don't cause autism and then think, well, wait a, wait a minute. Well, you know, they kind of like lied to us about the COVID vaccines. Maybe we should just double check on that, uh, that autism thing. So, so I did some surveys. And uh, and I surveyed my my user base, but I didn't survey them directly. I surveyed them indirectly because what I did is I went out and I said, hey, tell me about your kids. Right. So it's one level of indirection. Uh, it's not my directly my followers. They don't control their kids. The kids can get vaccinated on their own, whatever. And, you know, tell me about uh, how many times they've been vaccinated and and what their uh, uh, if they have any chronic diseases and so forth. And there's like this. It's it's linear. <laughs> it's almost as if I were to game the study. I mean, it was so perfect. It showed this straight line that the more vaccines the kids got the more chronic diseases, the more likelihood that they would have a chronic disease would be. And the kids that don't get vaccinated at all, it's like really rare. It's like, you know, a 60 to one uh, difference. And, uh, you know, for, for, for some of these conditions, it's, it's, um, it's, it was just astonishing to me. 
And, uh, you know, so then it's, it's, it's very, very clear that uh, these vaccines are basically causing chronic disease in America. You look at, uh, at the thing that is, ca- and it's so ironic, right? Because we're told that vaccines are safe and effective, and they're told in med school about this, and mm-hmm. nobody ever checks because they just assume that it's true. Why, why waste your brain cells on you know, checking something that everybody knows is true? Well, it turns out that the, the emperor has no clothes. <laughs> and so when you actually look at this stuff, you find that you've been lied to. And most physicians will still refuse to go look at this data uh, showing that they're harming the kids. By giving them vaccines, they're creating autism, ADHD, uh, epilepsy, seizures, uh, food allergies. You know, the list goes on and on. And <laughs> let's let, you brought up food amazing. allergies. Let's let's make a very practical example here for a minute. I'm going to turn 50 in about six weeks. How old are you, Steve? Uh, I'm 66. Okay. So you and I've lived on and this I'm planet. I'm just waking up now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I missed this, uh, you know, for the first 65 years. All right. The, so you uh, and I are just a couple of Steves coexisting here on the mortal coil for combined over a century. All right. When, when we were growing up, peanut butter was a friggin' food group, bro. Okay. I mean, we, 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 the commercials on Saturday morning cartoons, we dipped the chocolate bar into the peanut butter jar. We did that. We put our parent, our mama put peanut butter on everything. All right. We wanted peanut butter, this peanut butter, that we couldn't get enough of peanut butter. It was a food group. And now suddenly yeah. there are peanut allergies everywhere. I never heard of this, never knew about it. Never, I, I, there weren't, I never heard of kids having to immediately run to the bathroom, um, you know, with, with, with diarrhea or indigestion immediately after even eating the most vile of, of processed foods in the school cafeteria. Even the brown, even the yellow crusted burritos didn't send you immediately to the bathroom or grasping for air. And now suddenly a natural food like a peanut, there is, there is mass allergy for everywhere. How did we explain this? Well, let me give you an anecdote, which I think was really interesting. Uh, somebody who wrote in and he said that, you know, my kid went to school and uh, there were all 24 of them were sitting around asking, hey, what allergy do you have? Like, what are you allergic to? I'm allergic to cats and I'm allergic to peanut butter. And, and, and there's only one kid, which was this guy's kid, who says, well, I'm not allergic to anything. And he was the one kid who was not vaccinated ever. Hmm. <laughs> now, <laughs> at, the, at the very least, hard to, at the, hard at, to cherry pick that one. <laughs> at, at the very least, couldn't reasonable people agree that agents that we should not, we're the only country left, I think, in the industrialized world that allows pharmaceutical companies to advertise experimental products on television, market them. I think we're the only one. And and we should not have agent. We should not give massive amounts of promotion and market value backed by the government to private industries that are not directly accountable to their consumers in any form of legal way whatsoever. At the very least, could we in any form of free society, no matter whom you want to vote for, whom you like, what your ideology is. I mean, we all care about our health. That's something we all have in common. Could we at least agree on those two things, because I think those two reforms, and I'll give you the last word here, Steve, I think those two reforms would go a long way into getting some of the answers of the questions that you're begging at the moment. Yeah, I mean, look, all you have to do is eliminate the liability protection 
for the vaccine manufacturers. That's it. One simple change. Going forward, no more liability protection for vaccine manufacturers. And guess what happens? The health of America completely turns around with just that one little change in the law. No more liability protection. Everything instantly changes. That would do it. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. That one change would be amazing for America. And then when people see what happens to America, whoa, the world will take notice (laughs) at at this miracle transformation of the health of Americans. And they'll say, hmm, maybe we should do that, too. Now, no country has has done that. They either don't have vaccines or, you know, they have the liability protection. Isn't that interesting Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is like the one product that you have to have liability protection on? Now, wait a minute. Like, in science, they never, there's nothing about science. There's no Newton's laws. There's no Schrodinger equation. There's no nothing that says that, well, if it's a vaccine, you need liability protection for the manufacturer. See, that's not in science. <laughs> that's called negotiation and yes, leverage yes. on Congress. Indeed. Indeed. Check yeah. check out a Substack, stevekirsch.substack.com, K-I-R-S-C-H, K-I-R-S-C-H. He has a great follow on Twitter as well, at S-T Kirsch on Twitter, at S-T Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H on Twitter. Good to see you, Steve. Thank you for the, asking the right questions, man. We'll have you back again, okay? Take care. Yep. Thanks, Steve. All right. Here's a simple question, gentlemen. What is the benign, innocent explanation for why we would not want to remove liability protections for companies that are allowed to just mass experiment upon our our bodies and our health. Dude, this conversation opens up a Michigan Stadium-sized can of worms. <laughs> yeah, it does. On a number of levels. Which is why a lot of people don't want to have it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, the bottom line is this, and, and Steve opened up with this. The Food and Drug Administration doesn't give a flat rip about food or drugs. At all, like on any level, on any level. And then you start, you start asking questions about our food supply and the quality of food. And east of Eden, our food, food supply, is that fallen too? Yeah. Is it on this planet? Yes. Is that fallen too? There's a difference between fallen food sources and things that are poisoning you. You look at the pharmaceutical in- industry as well. And then you start looking at a lot of just different things, procedures that we have done uh, ubiquitously. Start asking questions. Why do we have our wisdom teeth taken out? Why, why are tonsillectomies like the number one uh, thing that, uh, you know, is recommended if your kid keeps getting sick? Aaron gets it. You start asking, okay, uh, circumcision. We had a question about circumcision on the show on Ask Dace Anything a couple, two, three months ago. I think asking questions about these things that just we took for granted for decades. I took for granted up until, you know, about five minutes ago. I think that's actually a really healthy thing. Because there are, like I said, a Michigan stadium-sized can of worms that conversations like this open up about things that we just took for granted because we assumed the people who are calling the shots are on the up and up when they are, in fact, not. Thank God for the FU awakenings of men like Steve Kirsch and the FU money that goes along with it, because that's why he was named like top 10 must be canceled during all this. And it's a lot like, he's kind of like the Elon Musk of COVID. 
and both of them are kind of like the Donald Trump of uh, politics. And Steve, you've kind of been dealing with this your whole life, and you're trying to get that FU money. God bless you. But like you, they are simply saying, I won't play your games anymore because mm-hmm. they are killing people. Amen. All right, we'll come back. Theology Thursday and three non-political questions coming your way in hour two. Stay tuned. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Aaron McIntyre. His name is Todd Erzin. You have a name, too. One day, we may learn it via the SteveDace.com inbox. If you email us, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe. And also, you can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. Look for me as well on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. want to let you know the response that we have gotten. Tomorrow it'll be two weeks since Nefarious hit streaming. And this is the first streaming window. It's called PVOD. And this is something that kind of emerged because of COVID. You know, they had all these movies that they now couldn't release in theaters because everything was closed. And so they put them out. Um, as first-run films on streaming at a premium price. And what they found, the, the movie industry did, is there was actually a huge market for this. So that, well, is this, just, is this just a COVID thing? Or is this something that people want to continue to do? And the market for this has continued to be huge. And a lot of people are like, you know, unless it's an event film that, you know, has an experience I can't, you know, duplicate in my home, or teenagers and their love of horror films, a lot of times people are just, you know, doing this instead of going to theaters anymore. And so the best way I would explain PVOD is if you used to go to a really nice hotel, there'd be a, a section on the on the TV menu where you can get movies while they're still in theaters. And so a lot of times you have to wait three months or so until a movie came out on DVD for many years pre-COVID. But if you went, to, if you're at this hotel, you could watch it while maybe it was just out of theaters or at the tail end of its run and you could get access to it for like the couple of months before it comes out to wider release for home watching. That's what PVOD is. And, and I will tell you right now, I'm, I'm not at liberty to give you specific numbers for this, uh, but I can tell you that we have already eclipsed what our goal was for the entire month of June by 50% through June 13th not even halfway through the month yet. So <clears throat> I, I just, we are blown away. We have, we have taken a, a giant step towards paying our investors back with this film. And the amount of positive reviews the movie is getting, uh, that Nefarious is getting, the amount of positive feedback. I mean, I'm, I'm getting more feed. I was getting a ton of stuff in, in my Twitter feed and on social media, my inbox during the theatrical. I'm getting even more of it now. And so many kind words. Just want to say thank you to all of you. And uh, don't forget to, on your streaming platform, if you've gotten on, whether it's Amazon Prime, you can get it there, Apple, iTunes, Google, and YouTube, uh, Salem Now, Roku, Vudu. Um, please remember to leave a, a great review for the film if you liked it on that po- podcast platform because that does help people make decisions when they're kind of going through the menu and deciding what they want to uh, give a shot to. So just thank you very much. Uh, it's been a, in, beyond our wildest dreams and hopes uh, 
a massive start for Nefarious via streaming. So thank you to all of you for that. Also want to talk to you now. You know, we talked about my movie. Let me now talk about my underwear. At least the only underwear company that I buy it from. Our friends over at Tommy John. Now that summer is here, guys, you don't want to deal with, uh, shall we call it, uh, stickage. Things get a little warm and swampy this time of year. Uh, Use the cooling solution that you get from Tommy John. Underwear that is more comfortable. They do everything better. Has dozens of comfort innovations that make it breathable, lightweight. Moisture wicking fabric. And because I'm not gay, I have no idea what that means. But I do know this. I wear Tommy John underwear, the men's, because I'm straight as an arrow. I wear the Tommy John men's underwear, and the best compliment I can ever give a product is after they let me sample it for free, do I go back and buy more of it out of my own pocket? And that's what I have done for years with Tommy John. I'm one of the reasons they've sold over 20 million pairs and have so many five-star reviews. If you want to give them a shot right now, get 20% off your first order, 20% off your first order. And yes, they've got undies and uh, loungewear for the ladies as well. Uh, ask Lindsey Graham about that. Uh, just go to TommyJohn.com Steve. That's TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All right, let's continue our series here on Theology Thursday, looking at Dr. Tony Evans's book, Kingdom Politics, Returning God to Government. We are this week on Chapter 3, The Foundation of Freedom. And Aaron, this week, you get to begin the conversation. Yes, this is, um, and there's an, a distinction that I want to focus on in this chapter that I think is really, really important and really missing in not only the broader society, certainly, but even within the church, the foundations of freedom. I think in the American psyche, when we define the word freedom, it's the definition that Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite gives. It's a free country. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> right. Dr. Evans provides the biblical definition of freedom in this chapter. God's definition of freedom is the unimpeded, unimpeded opportunity and responsibility to choose righteously, justly, and legally pursue one's divinely created reason for being. Mm -hmm. I want to focus in on one really important word there. Unimpeded. Unimpeded opportunity and responsibility to choose to righteously, justly, and legally pursue one's divinely created reason for being. The reason why that word unimpeded is so important, especially in our culture and society, is because of what I just said. We think of freedom. We think of freedom as the freedom to, when really a biblical definition includes freedom from. Mm -hmm. So what does this look like? Well, I could give one example. I could give one example. It was just in the montage today. Jerry Nadler, congressman, saying it is child abuse to not mask your toddlers. When we think of freedom, I, well, you know, your freedom to mask, your freedom to mask your toddlers during COVID. During COVID, were, were we given that choice? No, we were told you must muzzle your toddlers. That's just one example, but nowhere, and it's it's appropriate, I, I think, for a number of reasons. Where this, this misalignment of freedom to and freedom from, nowhere is that more apparent than, than this month that we, oh, yes. than we, we celebrate. Yeah, we I was were, wondering if you're going to make this we point. Were, we were sold 
when it came to so-called gay marriage. There's no such thing as gay marriage. But when we were called, and uh, yeah, mediate, it's called uh, M-C-I-N-T-I-R-E. There's no such thing as gay marriage. There's just marriage. You've, you know, you've uh, completely and co- totally bastardized uh, that uh, concept by putting a, a hyphen before it and calling it whatever marriage. But I digress. When we came to the homosexual or so-called gay marriage argument, we were sold, hey, we're just granting people the ability, the freedom to do something. How is it going to impact you? They're doing it in the privacy of their own bedrooms. Fast forward, not very far, and Baronel Stutzman has to make the flower arrangement, bigot. Jack the Baker has to bake the cake, bigot. Hey, I'm a teacher. I have the freedom to indoctrinate my kids. Tell them about my sex life. What gender? Which one of the 400 genders I am? I have the freedom to do that. No, 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 no. A biblical definition also entails freedom from. Which then, what? It means what? There are boundaries to freedom. Dr. Evans explains those. And I I just want to end these thoughts uh, with... uh, With this thought from Dr. Evans, yet what we see happening around us today is people wanting to be free from their created purpose, not for their created purpose. In a highly secularized and increasingly so secularized world, where people honestly, at the end of the day, fall into nihilism, there is no purpose. It is no coincidence then that we see a lot more freedom too, which then necessarily imposes on my freedom to pursue my God-given, my God-given talents and abilities and purpose. You see a lot more freedom too, rather than freedom from. It is true that in this country, and especially held up against the the backdrop of of the history of, of humanity, it is true that in this country, we had a lot more freedom, righteous freedom to do things than a lot of other places. But that's now been bastardized as this country has become more and more secular. Freedom, too, means I get to impose my immorality upon you. That is not a coincidence whatsoever. That is that is a that's a hermeneutic right there. And what Aaron just gave you was a hermeneutic on um, when you've heard phrases in past eras of negative rights and positive rights. That's what Aaron just gave you a hermeneutic is, is describing right there. And ultimately... Aaron also itemized for you what I mean when I say every government, every single one, every government in the history of humanity has been a theocracy. It's just a matter of who the theo is and the method of theocracy. Ultimately, I am God. I will be like God. And so therefore, since I am God, I will decide what a right means. Or God is God, and that has already been decided for us. And is a self-evident truth, as our founding document would say. During the gay marriage battles, people would often say things like, I have a right to marry whom I want. No, you don't. Anything, and so we haven't had some of these conversations that Aaron just touched on very eloquently since those battles were weighing, were raging hot. And so it's been a, it's been a minute and our audience has grown like 700% since then. So let me reset something based on uh, what Aaron just laid down for you. Anything that requires consent from another party is not a right. Let me repeat that. Anything that requires consent from another party is not a right. It's a privilege. It is a contract. 
It's a benefit. But that's all contractual language. It's not a right. The reason why you are guilty of murder, if you kill someone, is you have violated their right to life. Did they have to consent with you to live? Were they already alive? Yes. So therefore, since they were already alive, they didn't have to consent with you about whether it was okay for them to be alive. They were already alive, right? Mm -hmm. Therefore, you have no authority to take that life from them. Unless they have committed an act or in the process of committing an act that threatens your life. Then you do. You have a right to self-defense. Anything short of self-defense, though, that immediately or effectively this action by this person or this or this group of persons threatens your life. Anything short of that and you have committed murder because you have violated their right to life. And the fact that they were alive meant that an authority not named you granted that life to them. So you have no right to take it away unless it's in defense of your own life. I have a right to have sex with whom I want. No, you don't. Now, there are people who claim this. They're in prison. We call them rapists. And they shouldn't be in prison. They should actually have already been executed. But that's a topic for another show. Okay? You don't have a right. Sex requires consent. You do not have a right to have sex with whomever you want. You don't. If someone consents to have sex with you, then we can debate whether or not you should, what the privileges therein are, whether you're entitled to them, what the benefits of such an action would be. Those are moral arguments, but they do not bestow any right. Anything that requires consent, anything that requires consent isn't a right. The laws of nature and nature's God pre-exist any bodies that are empowered to grant consent. That's what inalienable means, pre-existent. They were already here. And just as governments cannot take away that which they couldn't grant, you cannot take away, that's what you cannot grant. And when you do, you're a criminal. You have violated somebody else's rights. What I just laid out for you was the secret sauce of how despite the fact we had our own sins via slavery and racism in the early eras of the country, we had our own issues. Plenty of people in the, in the, plenty of people in the more temperate and moral generations of America are in hell now because they didn't repent of their sins. So how did we keep this thing called America together? How did it become an exceptional country despite the historical truths of what I just told you a minute ago? Because of the philosophical truth that I just shared with you five minutes ago. That's why. And a rightly divided understanding of what terms like rights mean and where they come from held this thing together despite the sinfulness of the people. But in our day and age, the sinfulness of the people has become so overwhelming they refuse to have their sinfulness restrained that they have now they have now tainted via their own sinfulness our own sinfulness we have now tainted these pre-existing definitions to to play make believe that we have the power to change them and there is great suffering in our culture because of that Aaron excellent point to lead us off with Todd you're up well, I, I did find it fascinating uh, just when you were talking with Steve Kirsch earlier. 
uh, to really smart guys who clearly are diving in data to inform them. But that's only one part of how, as Steve said, you know, we're, you know, 50 and 60 something year old guys who just did not apply what we applied to a lot of areas. But once we do, you weren't suddenly doing uh, deep dive calculus in terms of your philosophy on this. You just started asking basic questions and uh, that simply had no good answers to them. And I, I think this is what happens. We talk a lot about men need to be men again. This mm-hmm. is why I think, and I've done this before on this, this show. And when Tony did it uh, using the sports analogies about the obvious need we can't possibly view freedom as boundaryless, and it's he he basically pulls a C.S. Lewis like C.S. Lewis is people who says you know I don't believe in morality I don't believe in truth. Well, the second if somebody accidentally trips you on the subway and they say they're sorry, you're like okay that's good. but if they if they uh, trip you and they don't say they're sorry and that's your problem, you will instantly take umbrage with that. You 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 there's a value there that you believe is inherent. It's innate. And we do that. The sports pulls that out. The instant you play any sport and suddenly if you're playing football and suddenly trying to dribble that football like a basketball or like he said, you just said that you 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 run out into the stands and try to play keep away. Everybody's like, this is chaos. This is insanity. What are you doing? And we believe that so much as men these days in terms of the sports world. This is where uh, instant replay comes in. Like we, we, we cannot rely on what that one official thinks about this. Not even all the officials out there. We need to know. We have to know the absolute truth. We need to bring the eye of God down with the cameras so we know. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is Aaron's. Just apply that to everything else because mm-hmm. you're not. Yeah, I don't care about. It. I just think I. Instant replay drives me nuts because it points out the absurdity of who we've become as men. This is life in general. This is the the, the idea that we're much more focused on what is truly and meticulously a catch in an yes. NFL game than the greater and larger questions that maintain any form of a yes. civil and free society. Tony's talking about the same thing. He goes into the, uh, the what the tree of life uh, and the tree of knowledge and good and evil actually are. You had freedom. Just abide abide by this mm-hmm. because it makes sense of all of the other things i and again you go uh then to the book of exodus the tree of uh knowledge of good and evil is basically replanted with the ten commandments mm-hmm. and the people reject that too to great great cost where god is fully prepared to abandon them and Moses begs and begs and begs. And what happens after that? I just, I'm bringing this up. I recently reread Exodus and I just, my, you know, the, the, my eyes were opening up. The, a, 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 something is closed up because the, in the Exodus, the Egyptians give just to get rid of, they give their money, their jewels, their riches to the Jews. And the Jews individually keep them as a people. You know, they're free. They're more rich. They mm-hmm. have more comforts than ever before. But after this, after this, this humbling, and by the way, there's, uh, a- after that sin, uh, the statutes are brought to life by God. Where they say, you will die if you do these things. The cost 
of worshiping that golden calf was uh, death, I believe, for 300 uh, Jews. If I'm wrong about that specific number, I'm wrong. But afterwards, what happens? The collective wealth of the individuals that th they received from the Egyptians is given communally to make th the tabernacle and the tent and the tools and the robes and all that comes with it. Meaning the whole point of all of this, all of your freedom, all of your riches, all of your comfort, whatever it is, the games you play, the medicine you have, it is all for not, not at best, and at worst will be used for demonic purposes unless and until you use it to point to God. And again, coming back to what Tony said, this isn't complicated. It's so uncomplicated that God gives us the gift of pulling back his hand, which he's doing right now in this moment and this time to show us, fine, have it your way. Just look, we are living right now in a ridiculous game that does not resemble real life. It, it, it's obvious, right, everybody? Look around. Are you, you saying we suck at playing God? Yeah, you, you, yeah. You We're terrible gods. So, in an appeal to men, I really, hey, sports pro guy. Every once in a while, you guys come back and me. You, fine. You don't have to watch then. Well, I threw the rock and you're the one yelping. I don't care. Guys, Steve, Aaron, do I love sports? Mm -hmm. I love them. I don't your worship. Your entire family has invested yes. Yes. most of your children's them. Uh, growing years yes. in sports. It yeah. is something that can and will, if utilized appropriately, will glorify God, just like I said. But I use it, and my family uses it to glorify God. You worship it. That's a problem. Now, we could, Tony could have and would... Pick something else that's not uh, that's not sports and pick it for for women. Pick something else that works for men and women alike. It, it we, this is not a this is me really wanted to address uh, men, but broad more broadly speaking, this this is not really complicated. You will put up a fight for the things that you worship, and you do all the time. We need right now a clear instant replay on reality. We're, we're absolutely getting it wrong. By all means, use instant replay. Totterson is telling to you. But look, right now we're chopping up our kids. All right? We're killing people with witchcraft called jabs. Put the instant replay on that, please. I should have gone first. <laughs> My big takeaway from the last 22 minutes is I made a mistake having you guys go first. I don't know how to top that. I mean, both of you guys nailed it. So I'm going to zero in on one little sentence here if you guys are okay with it. Dr. Evans writes, and while freedom involves choice, it also involves responsibility. Hmm. And while freedom involves choice, it also involves responsibility. I was uh, talking on Twitter the other day with uh, our friend over the Daily Wire, Megan Basham, about some reporting she was doing on what's going on with the Southern Baptist Convention right now. And uh, in response to something she had reported, I and, and some people in the comments had jumped into our discussion and I responded to. And I said, you know, the only thing you know what the only thing worse than the patriarchy is 
the matriarchy. Mm. Only thing worse than the patri- the only thing worse than the patriarchy is the matriarchy. With the matriarchy, you get all the stuff of the patriarchy that you hated, and none of the stuff that you actually liked. So you didn't change men at all for the better. You actually took away the things about them you found laudable. They protect me. They provide for me. You you remove those responsibilities from the men, and so now you only get the lechery. Now now you only get. Mm-hmm. The aspects that, that you are offended by. You're only going to get that now. And, and because if you take away the responsibility men have to protect and to provide, then as a woman, you're actually taking away your leverage against them to, to, to turn more away from the more miscreant aspects of our, of our nature as, as boys, okay, and, and lean more in to the maturity of being a man. You're mm-hmm. taking your leverage away to, shall we say, encourage us to the more positive end. You've removed all the responsibility from us, so you have no leverage. And now you will give us the sex we want with no... We, we, will, get the, we will get the cow and the milk both whenever we desire. Because you don't want to be a prude, do you? You don't want to be a tease, do you? You don't want to be a, a, a Puritan, do you? The only thing worse than the patriarchy is the matriarchy, and we're living through that right now. The only ruler worse than Ahab is Jezebel. (laughs) We're living through that right now. Why? Because we've confused authority and responsibility. And he's talking about that here when it comes to freedom and responsibility. We have confused the word responsibility in our culture in every context. No one is responsible for anything. Everybody is a victim. These are all buzzwords we know very well on the right. All of us that do this for a living have done these shows for the last lamentable generation. And Lord knows those of you that are listening to us right now have heard people better at this than me do this, do this topic for a show many, many times. But it continues to be a chronic problem. Why? We won't accept responsibility voluntarily. We won't. That's not who we are. We're sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. We're excuse makers. We're passive. We're not initiative takers by nature. And therefore, there must be a code that calls us to be better than ourselves and incentivizes accordingly. In pagan countries, it was honor codes. Uh, It was the promise of power, wealth, Significance, legacy. In a Christian-inspired and influenced country, it is because God said so. <laughs> That's why. And, well, you know, my, my girlfriend that I'm not married to, she's really hot. So's hell. And unlike, uh, you, unlike your girlfriend, hell, hell's going to be there forever. So enjoy. That was it. There's a, there's a power and authority here, and it ain't you. So recognize that 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 was literally the entirety of how we adopted responsibility in the West for the last few hundred years. God is God and you are not. That's it. Wasn't any more complicated than that. And all of our institutions acted accordingly. We even made our politicians take oaths of office, acknowledging this, even if symbolically People had never stepped foot in a church in their lives, were scrambling to make sure they could find a pastor or priest to marry them. Because somewhere deep down, no matter how licentious we were or wanted to be, there was a, there was 
a res- an expectation, a responsibility is another word for expectation. There was a responsibility that you would at some point in time, no matter how foolish you are up until that point of time, have to acknowledge that God is God and you are not. You would have to. That was the societal expectation and, there, and thus the responsibility on you to be any kind of member of a free society whatsoever. That's all gone now. And so we have freedom without responsibility. What is that? Debauchery, decadence. That's what you're living through now. The late stages of a dying republic. And it will die. So when we say revival or bust, what do we mean? It will die without recognizing that God is God and we are not. Period. No commas, no semicolons, no codicils, no but, no, 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 no. They're not the 10 suggestions. The 10 sternly worded letters. God is God and we are not. Do or do not, turn or burn. No maybes, no pass fail. Or it's only pass fail, no sliding scale here. Do it or don't. And that's why we have prisons. That's why God made hell. So I like them apples. It was really that simple. Now it wasn't easy. Human nature's complicated. But the the code of honor that held us together was that simple. We don't have that anymore. We turned away from that. We don't want it. We rejected it even. And now, as Todd, you pointed out, now we think we can just remake reality accordingly. And we are suffering greatly as a people. And we will go on suffering as a people until we recognize the ultimate reality. What is that? That God is God and we are not. Now, that's my best attempt to follow up what you, t- what you two guys did with the time that I had. How'd I do? Righteous. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. Thank you, Jim Rome. Appreciate that. All right, when we come back, it'll be time for three non-political questions. We'll do that here in just a moment on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. So there's two kinds of physical pain that we'll, uh, we'll uh, usually be dealing with. One is the, the clinical variety, right? So as I pointed out, uh, my wife uh, had to uh, get some bone spurs, arthroscopic knee surgery, get a cleanup done, get those out of there. They went ahead and fixed a, a small little meniscus tear while they were there. All right. And, and she needed uh, that procedure and then some follow-up medication. She's feeling better now. So now we've got to go back and deal, deal with the chronic stuff, some of the inflammation and stuff that exacerbates those conditions or makes you more prone to them. And that's where Relief Factor comes in. It's a drug-free anti-inflammatory, although it was, it's a formula, all-natural formula created by doctors who can prescribe drugs. But why do they create this? Well, because they realized a lot of the chronic pain in their practices was from people that had too much inflammation. And could we come up with a natural anti-inflammatory that wouldn't be so hard on their other uh, functions and organs in the body, like uh, taking daily Tylenol and ibuprofen might uh, uh, cause. And so that's where they came up with Relief Factor. Uh, They want to offer it to you for three weeks for just 20 bucks. 
to see if you don't see a difference in your pain level in three weeks or less. Why do they do that? Because over the years, they have found about 70% of the people who take them up on this end up sticking around long term because of the results that they see in three weeks or less. So if you want to put them to the test for just 20 bucks, just go to relieffactor.com. We've got now that we've got my wife on Relief Factor now. She's feeling great. Relieffactor.com or call them at 800-4-RELIEF, the number 4, 800-4-RELIEF or relieffactor.com. All right, it's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. And for that, we bring in our oldest daughter, Anastasia. Good to see you again, sweetie. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Dad? Well, you're going to have a large say in determining that here in the next few minutes. What are we doing this week? I feel like I decided that uh, Thursdays I'm going to try to just be more like lighthearted. Like usually my segment on Tuesdays is kind of like poking the bear. And then Fridays are like, I mean, Thursdays are like the s'mores that we eat at the campfire. So Tuesday's bad cop and Thursday's good cop. Yeah, so I can keep my job. So it's like, I mean, she was so good on Thursday. So let's let her come back on Tuesday. I like it. I like it. All right. So you've got the questions. Fire them up. Let's go. So my first question for you guys is what's one thing that you wish could exist but doesn't right now. What's one thing that I wish could exist, but doesn't right now? Um, something with absolutely no side effects that would allow me to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, and have no weight gain or any other digestive issues associated with it. So basically, I, I, I want the marriage supper of the Lamb to happen now <laughs> on this side of eternity. That, that, that's, that's essentially what I would like to exist, is could we, could we make that happen? A close second, a close second for me, is transporter technology. There are lots of things in the world that I would like to visit that I absolutely do not want to travel to. All right, And so if you could just beam me there, and yes, my atoms may get scattered, but that will not nearly be as a traumatic experience as, say, a plane crashing. All right. So um, I, I, I transporter technology, I'd love to see the Colosseum in Rome. Um, I'd love to go to Israel. There's lots of things I'd like to see. OK. And experience. All right. Um, but um, uh, I, I'm going to need transporter technology because I don't want to go through the rigorous travel to get there. I'm too lazy. All right, Elon needs to get on that. Yes. No, another, so my answers are are completely self-serving. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but hey. <we're, laughs> Welcome to the Steve Day Show. It is the Steve Day Show, indeed. All right, so now the you guys made Jesus juke me now. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll go first, Todd. Uh, two things actually popped in my mind right away on this. One, a competent Iowa Hawkeyes football offense. That would be nice. <laughs> Number two... <laughs> is really out of left field and it's going to bore the socks off of our audience i would like whoever invents this by the way is probably going to get paid you know a million and a half dollars by microsoft or apple i would like a copy and paste function on your computer you know how when you copy or cut and paste it's just one thing at a time 
could do multiple things. So uh, on a Mac, it'd be Command C one. That's the first thing you've copied. Command C two, second thing, you, and so on and so forth. You would you would double or triple productivity in some in some tasks. I think that would be great. Cool. That's not bad. It's it's certainly more very specific. It, it's it's that certainly this more popped into my. Head. It's doable though. It, it is certainly more societally beneficial than mine. Except I think I think well, no, we'd all benefit from transporter technology. We'd all benefit from that. Right? Yeah, I don't see why I would not. Yeah, I mean that, that would. The other thing is completely just for me. But uh, the societal tech society would benefit from transporter technology to some degree, Todd. And don't <laughs> you dare say different. What about you? I have no argument currently against that. Uh, how about a housing market that would allow me to both sell my house and find one worth living in, which neither of which is currently possible. <laughs> That's a good answer, Jay. Those were all really good answers, guys. That was okay. good. All right, that we're off good. to a good start. All right, question two. Next question is if you, this I read this and I found this very interesting. I'm interested to see what you guys say. If you could invent a sport, what sport would you invent? Todd, I'll let you take this one first. <laughs> Mm. Well, we do need to reinvent college football because that's... Um, See, I thought that's what you would do, so I yeah. figured let's just get this out of the way now. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh. Todd would like to invent college football before 2014. That's what Todd would like to invent. Correct? Yes. Or maybe even before 2010 and, and the the last great round of realignment with the TV contracts and all that kind of stuff. All right. That's what Todd wants to invent college football uh, pre 2010. I will do an ode to my brother since he does watch the show. We did invent a game. We called it the punting game back in the day. We played to absolute exhaustion where it was just him and I, and you, one person was the punter. One person hiked the ball. And then the person who hiked the ball went and tried to block the ball. And if the ball was not blocked, then the person who punted had to run and go get it while the other person was laid out on the ground and then try to run it back for a touchdown. And then you'd have to tackle each other. Honestly, the, the number of times we played that until both of us could not move anymore was glorious. I don't think... It's a, a cool dude game to create. Oh yeah, yeah. Two I brothers like just yeah. doing what we do. Oh, we yeah. I mean, my, we my thought buddies. we we thought we created smear the you know what. Yes. It turns out that everybody played that. Yes. Yeah, we thought we made it up. Okay. Yeah, no, that's my just buddies, nature. Invent not invented. We just did fumble drills with the football, kind of similar to that. We also played football on round hay bales, and that's how I broke my nose. Um, I don't think a more perfect sport can be invented or thought of because rugby already exists. I'm not a rugby aficionado, but it's the purest form of like football. It's the it's more masculine than football because you don't even have pads you can hide behind. So I will say that. However, I do have one. It would require the invention of uh, technology a la transporter technology just in a different form, but oh. some, towards, some, some form of anti-gravity or levitation uh, technology to where you could like have a device that you sit on and fly around in the air. And then I'd have like one little ball that like has this technology as well that you that just flies around <laughs> everywhere and um, there's one position on one on each team that's tasked with like catching that ball and the game doesn't end until you catch that ball and then there's other positions on the team where you like hit these balls around in midair as you're flying on your levitation machine through these hoops in the air i think that'd be a pretty cool game what a pathetic loser 
Too bad it's not been thought that of. That sounds yet. oddly specific. <laughs> I saw some I saw some dorks playing that in a park when I drove to work this morning. They were flying around in the I, air. I pulled over. I pulled over and beat them all up, and told them it was for their own good. And I'm confident that that is true. Some yes. dude is a, in a cloak is going to show up to Todd's house tonight and like point a stick at him and say some nonsense words for seeing that. Not that, supposed to see that. Oh wow! At first, I was like, "What is he talking about?" That that is the most detailed description of Quidditch I have heard. Except for the person that J.K. Rowling stole the idea from. Oh, is this on? Okay. No. Okay. Um, okay. This would be the sport I would create. Okay. Um, soccer with blue lines and a real offsides. So that the biggest, strongest, and fastest people who are athletically superior are the ones who win because any physical athletic pursuit that um, Guyana is better at than the United States is systemically and fundamentally flawed and was actually created to punish those whom whom were given superior athleticism, uh, physicality, speed, and quickness. So we're going to have a real offsides and we're going to have a blue line and then we're going to play soccer. That's that's the sport that I would create. Because the other sport I would create where you'd like, you know, play with an oblong ball so it could bounce either way and be very unpredictable. You were allowed to essentially um, um, dissect your opponent provided you all were wearing the appropriate gear um, we already created that sport because we're Americans. So it's called football. We already created the perfect sport. So this is my best attempt to take the world's most imperfect game and make it at least somewhat palatable to people who believe in meritocracy again. I, you know, it, it's amazing. I give you credit for consistently... This is that codicil of the dude cold where you will be wrong until the end of time, just on principle, because like every time we do this, like Twitter actually comes to, to, to my side on this. Like the, it's, it's a moving blue line. It exists. You understand this, don't you? I know it I is. A, I do. I do know that it exists. It's a moving blue line so that anytime you get to the ball before the defender, you are off sides. And that's no. why every See, damn game they, is one nil. Okay. See, that's no. You just actually said something that pass the ball, kick it, kick it far, in the rules. and let someone go down there and get Not lost. True. That's the game I want to watch. All right, but I want to see the ball seventy yards in the air, and I want to see mm-hmm. I want to see some little turd world dweeb see. get mossed by a badass American. See, That's the game I want to watch, ga- and so does the rest of America. In the game of football, is there illegal men downfield? Yes or no? The linemen are d- illegal there- downfield. Oh, wait. Bigger, faster, stronger. Why can't they just go where they want to, Steve? Whenever they want to. Why? They're not, Why? They're not even, but These they're are not, the existential questions of our time. Because they're not the ones that are responsible for the advancing no, no, of the no. ball. Bigger, faster, stronger, Steve. Okay. Why do we have these They're not rules? responsible no, for the advancing of the ball. You are holding back. They are not living, letting live out their destiny as we have, we have two sports. In one of them, you get to moss people. In the other, you get yellow carded, and it's 1-0 after the shootout. America, you make the call. You said this was supposed to be the fuzzy, uplifting Thursday. (laughs) 
you know, one of the questions on that I was thinking of asking was, what's the dumbest sport? And I was like, you know, <laughs> we did that anyways. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I'm not going to ask that because I don't want them to argue. <laughs> you guys just found a way to argue anyways. And then my last question for you guys, maybe this will bring everybody back together. I'm happy I saved this for last. Is what is one of your favorite Steve Day show memories? Aww. <laughs> Probably the guys who don't have their name on the show should do that first. It's kind of self-serving for me to answer it in a way. The title? <laughs> Seeing my face every day? <laughs> no. no. Okay. Good. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what? I'll, I mean, give you, I'll give you one. Oh. So you guys have time. Okay. All right. Um, there's a lot that I could choose. I mean, having, having someone I've admired for many years, like Josh McDowell, spontaneously kiss me once on I, I was I, I'm not even sure what to make of that I mean there, there have been lots of those moments um, but since she has a graduation party coming up here this weekend okay we we, we used to when the ki- when you guys were little you guys used to come on the radio with me like around your birthday once a year when we were a local show and the first time that Zoe got to come on, your younger sister. And man, she was hyped. Hyped. <laughs> okay? Hyped. You have to understand, Zoe as a kid used to do this thing where she had a furrowed brow all the time. So we used to, we used to call it Zoe's nasties. It, it would take a minute to get Zoe to, to warm up to you and be hyped about anything. Okay? But she came into that show, man, and the energy was palpable. She was hyped. You know? And I looked at her and I said, you're excited to be here, sweetie, aren't you? She's like... I can feel it. I can feel my energy. And we played that <laughs> clip for years. And I got people loved it. And we had so many emails and everything else about that. And since her grad party is coming up this weekend at the house, I'll go with that one. Todd. A couple uh, come to mind. Uh, after um, uh, the Save Girls uh, sports stuff and, you know, taking a toll on the family in terms of have, ultimately having to pull my kids out of school but when steve surprised me by reading uh the letter from uh the uh the the weights uh coach at arkansas it and i said in the moment it felt it felt like the avengers on your left moment uh that was pretty cool also uh it's something i you know give the thanks to god for quite a bit but but when when steve early in covid did for you folks went into the dissected the uh, IHME uh, model it, you just got done um, talking about that fairly recently on the show but it's like it's like oh, thank god I mean honestly because I was the anti-vaxxer on the show had had this gone a different way uh, uh, with Steve I, I mean I, I don't know if my place here on the show would have been uh, sustainable and the honesty uh, that Steve poured into that, the work he poured into finding the truth um, again at risk to the show ahead of uh, the entire nation, quite frankly. It was like, wow. Amen. That means a lot, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Aaron, you don't have to mention me. Oh, man. But it will be appreciated if you do. But it is the Steve Day show. <laughs> I... And it will be remembered if you don't. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Trying to find favorite <laughs> memories... You guys went serious, so I'll go not so serious. I think it was about one of the four f- shards and seven puddings ago <laughs> from yesterday. Yeah, I think it was 
One of the first two or three times there were active wasps flying around the studio. Oh, Guys, you don't understand how many times people bring this up to oh, me in goodness. this office. You don't understand. Anyways, I'm sorry. Steve, I Steve, God bless him, was trying to maintain his composure, broadcasting on the show while Todd and I got yeah. during the show. And we didn't have, people started sending us like these uh, fly zappers and things like that. Oh and this was before that. So we were like going up with our books, trying to like swap <laughs> these things out of the air while Steve was like fearing for his life on the air. Man. That was good. The first time you read a Rolling Stones list that Steve took umbrage with, I could not stop laughing. I almost died on set because you were like, no, somebody's going to die today. Someone has this to pay is, for and this. And it was about music list. Yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. Yeah. Thank you to all of you for tuning in here today. We are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck and right here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.